0: Conservative leader Pierre Polyev has finally come out against the use of puberty blockers for minors under the age of 18.
1: A private member's bill proposed by NDP MP Charlie Angus would see people who promote the oil and gas industry thrown in jail or receive hefty fines.
0: Two members of the so-called Coots Four were released from jail with time served after accepting a plea deal. Hello Canada, it's Thursday, February 8th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Cosman Jerja.
1: And I'm Noah Jarvis.
0: We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Conservative leader Pierre Polyev confirmed that he does not support the use of puberty-blocking hormones for minors under the age of 18. Polyev has faced questions over his position at several media appearances since Alberta Premier Danielle Smith announced plans to ban puberty blockers and hormone therapy for children age 15 and younger. Speaking to reporters on Parliament Hill on Wednesday, Poliev said he is against the use of puberty blockers for children and that parental rights and children should be protected. Until Wednesday morning, Poiliev had not said outright that he supports Smith's stance, instead saying that he supports parental rights and that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau should butt out of parents' decisions and leave issues of schools and hospitals to provincial governments. Would you ban surgeries and medical
1: interventions for minors as your own party members suggest? Medical sir, interventions like what? Th- that, it, that is the language that your party What medical used. interventions? Well, you would like have to ask your party mo- members, what medical such interventions? as medical, such as puberty blockers and hormone For minors? Mortality. Yeah. Yes. Irreversible? Yeah. Yes. irreversible? Yeah. You're talking about irreversible. I would I like, like, like to understand No, I want to be clear. I want to be clear. I want to be clear.
0: Puberty blockers for minors? Do you agree with that? I think that we should protect children and their ability to make adult decisions when they are adults. So and you think only, you only, adult, should, should yeah, only as adults, as adults should make? Yes, ju- you said yes. Just, just just to be clear, you said crazy yes. Crazy only crazy. adults should take puberty blockers. I think we should protect children, let them make adult decisions when they become adults. So, that's so you you a a that means you, don't, you are against. Puberty blockers for kids under the age of 18. Is that is that clear? Okay. He then went on to say that Trudeau would ultimately back down on this issue as well, accusing him of only using it as a wedge issue to divide Canadians and distract them from the soaring cost of housing and his quadrupling of the carbon tax. So, Noah, obviously, this is the first time that conservative leader Pierre Polyev has decided to tackle this issue head on. He's sort of hinted where his position was at uh, several times before, but he never really uh, addressed this head on. And I think it was because of Premier Smith's, uh, you know, groundbreaking policy and how wide of a scope uh, it really was that forced him to take a, a serious position on this. But why do you think it took so long, Noah?
1: I think Poliev and his advisors are thinking that the less that they talk about this issue, the less votes that they could potentially lose. I mean, right now, Polyev he's cobbling together a pretty large coalition of Canadians and saying anything that might, you know, shave off a few hundred uh, voters is something that the conservatives definitely want to avoid. And so I can definitely see why and the rationale why Pierre Polyev and the Conservatives are trying to avoid talking about this issue. But I think this is unavoidable. It's an unavoidable issue uh, in Canadian politics right now because it is an issue that many premiers are taking on and it is one that uh, many Canadians want to see their political leaders stand up for. And I'm a bit confused as to why Pierre Polyev is so hesitant uh, to talk about this issue and you know come out with a firm stance in support of parental rights and against uh, medical interventions uh, transgender medical interventions for the for youth because Canadians by and large do support this policy and even though say 70 percent of Canadians do support this if there are uh, some Canadians who are with the 30 percent who do not support Premier Smith's uh, policies and they were planning on voting conservative they'd potentially lose those voters I get it But uh, the vast majority of voters do support this, and perhaps you would even gain some voters that you wouldn't have been able to gain by coming out in support of Premier Smith's policies. Perhaps some PPC voters that are supporting Maxine Bernier only because he is pro-parental rights, or perhaps some uh, people who are independent or non-voters that would be compelled to vote for the Conservatives through their stance uh, in support of parental rights. So I understand why Polyev is avoiding this issue. I just think that Uh, He's avoiding this to the point where it becomes way too obvious that he's trying to duck and dodge these questions. uh, And it makes Canadians concerned that, you know, he doesn't really stand up for anything when it comes to this topic.
0: I mean, you're right on that point. I would suspect that a minority, a very small minority of people would be in support of, you know, pumping kids full of hormones to prevent puberty. that's the uh, issue at hand here and I I think a lot of this conversation nationally has is about the way that the conversation is framed the liberals are now put in a position where they have to say and they, they won't say it directly but they know that their position is that yes we support you know putting kids on testosterone we support putting kids on estrogen we support you know sex change surgeries for minors and they're never going to explain it that way but it's important to remind people that that this is what we're talking about and obviously their tactic is to run to these extreme hyperbole statements like oh it, this is going to cause suicides when even the facts and studies does not indicate that actually being an issue at hand so Does Poiliev have the upper hand here? Because I suspect a lot of Canadians agree with him, but they're just afraid to say so.
1: Yeah, there's been this culture that's developed over the years in Canada, but not just Canada, in the United States and in other Western nations that you can't talk about the transgender issue if you're coming at it from a critical perspective. You can't critique uh, hormone blockers, you can't critique puberty blockers, you can't critique uh, you know quite frankly mutilation of uh, minors because it's become such a taboo topic uh, because activists in the transgender community have pushed very hard uh, on governments and on uh, big corporations uh, to the point where they are very scared of the backlash uh, from coming out against uh, these sort of medical interventions but the tide has been turning uh, for the past couple of years more and more people are starting to be comfortable and for a person who is running as prime minister to say certain things, to say that, hey, you know, maybe giving pubic blockers to minors is not a good idea. Hey, perhaps mutilating their genitalia is a good idea. Uh, someone coming out and saying that uh, can be very liber- liberating for a lot of Canadians who feel as if they can't say those things. But in all reality, yeah, they should be able to say those things because at the end of the day, Canada is supposed to be a free country. Promoting Canada's oil and gas sector could get you thrown in the slammer if a new Democrat MP gets his way. NDP MP Charlie Angus has tabled a private member's bill in the House of Commons that would ban fossil fuel ads. Anyone who violates the ban could be fined up to $1.5 million or sent to jail for up to two years. The Canadian Association of Physicians for the Environment began pushing for a fossil fuel ad ban two years ago. The organization helped Angus draft the bill. Bill C-372's preamble states that climate change represents an unprecedented and existential threat to people in Canada and around the world, unquote. The bill prohibits any person from promoting a fossil fuel, a fossil fuel-related brand element, or the production of a fossil fuel. Exceptions are made for media reporting and artistic representations where there is no commercial interest. It also forbids any advertising that is likely to create an erroneous impression about the characteristics, health or environmental effects or health or environmental hazards of the fossil fuel, its production or the emissions that result from its production or use. Any producer that contravenes this aspect of the bill is subject to a fine of up to 1.5 million dollars and up to two years in jail or both. So, Cosman, when I was reading about this story, I kind of, I, I was very shocked that, you know, uh, NDP MP would come out and say the quiet part out loud that uh, if you don't get on board with the environmental agenda, if you don't get on board with the idea that all fossil fuels need to be banned, uh, then you must be excised from society. I mean, it is quite absurd that uh, the NDP and many leftists aspire to go to these lengths in order to restrict people from talking about you know, the potential benefits of uh, fossil fuel use. So why do you believe that the left needs to go to these lengths in order to get political wins, in order to convince Canadians that they need to move off of fossil fuels?
0: Well, first of all, I'd I'd probably say that this is one of the craziest bills I've ever seen. When I saw people talking about it online, I... Assumed they were just exaggerating, but I actually looked at the text of the bill and it's totally uh, in tune with what people were saying. Charlie Angus is radical. I mean, this is a radical piece of legislation that wants to throw people in jail, ruin their lives, you know, fine them an exorbitant amount of money because they want to talk about the benefits that the oil and gas industry poses to Canada. I mean, this is one of the staples of our economy, whether you like it or not, and it's going to remain that way for a while. And this bill just like really shows to me why the NDP is unelectable in a sense and why Canadians will not give them power and have not done so uh, up to now. It's because they have and harbor people like this, like Charlie Angus, and there's plenty other NDP MPs who just go to the extreme. And if they were in power, there is the potential that something like this could actually become law. And it's very troubling, you know, for a party like the NDP whose roots, at one point at least, were in representing the working class. And the oil and gas sector is a working class industry, right? People who work at oil fields and people who work in the oil and gas sector building pipelines are working class people. And here we have this this so-called socialist policy threatening to throw these people in jail.
1: Not only that, but I think this bill is a severe uh, affront to civil liberties. I mean, the fact that this bill was tabled in a a free and democratic society, I think it's offensive. Uh, The fact that you you feel that you need to put uh, people in jail who are expressing an opinion that you disagree with uh, is something that we should not be tolerating in a so-called liberal democracy. Not only does it probably violate uh, Canada, Canadian Section Two rights, but it is also an affront uh, to the rights of provinces. Provinces are free to do uh, and regulate businesses as they see fit. That is not a federal responsibility. It is a power derived to the provinces under Section Ninety Two of the BNA Act. Uh, so for the federal government or for an NDP MP to even think that the federal government has the authority uh, to move such legislation is absurd. Uh, and, you know, the Canadian Association of Physicians uh, for the Environment, you know, you might as well uh, come up with um, an, a group called Accountants for you know, Tax Hikes or Hikes or something. It's you know, an absurd uh, notion that physicians have any sort of expertise on the environment. But this uh, organization is clearly mistaken uh, with the powers of the federal government, uh, and you know we should be skeptical of not just parties, but you know associations that want to censor Canadian speech.
0: After serving nearly two years behind bars following charges for conspiracy to commit murder, Coots Four members Chris Lysack and Jerry Morin have accepted a plea deal on lesser charges. The conspiracy to commit murder charges have been dropped and the two men were released Tuesday afternoon. Bridge City News confirmed on X that Lysak pleaded guilty to a restricted weapons charge and Morin pleaded guilty to conspiracy to traffic a firearm. Justice Bowen Hardigan accepted a joint recommendation by Crown Prosecutors and Defense Counsel Daniel Song and Greg Dunn, resulting in both men being handed the equivalent sentences of time already served in custody. The recommendation amounted to a sentence of three years for Lysak, and about three and a half years for Morin. Typically, detainees awaiting trial receive a credit of 1.5 days for each day served. Morin received additional credits for spending 74 days in solitary confinement, which received a multiplier of three days. The initial allegations against the four men emerged from their participation in the 2022 coups border blockade, an event that culminated in the confiscation of a substantial cache of weapons by the RCMP, leading to serious accusations, including the alleged conspiracy to kill RCMP officers. Morin's lawyer released a statement on behalf of his clients following the court proceeding. Mr. Morin has steadfastly maintained from the very beginning that he played no part of any alleged conspiracy to murder police officers and is relieved and grateful that those charges and associated allegations have been withdrawn by the Crown, said Dunn. Moreover, the charge that Mr. Moran pleaded guilty does not suggest that Mr. Moran at any time took firearms into Coots, only that he agreed to, he added. It is unfortunate that Mr. Moran has spent two years of his life in custody awaiting this day. So with this plea deal, I, I guess it ends a, a chapter of the freedom convoy a chapter which many considered troubling and i'd like to remind people that the government cited the kootz border blockade repeatedly in in their justification of their use of the emergencies act and for stamping down on all the protesters in Ottawa and now that there's a plea deal obviously these men are not facing charges for conspiracy to commit murder and I wonder whether this has anything to do with the Crown prosecutors potentially realizing that they didn't really have a case but because it's not going to go to court, I, I, I don't think Canadians will get a clear answer. Uh, but there are also two more members of the Coots Four who are still incarcerated, or at least uh, awaiting trial. And Noah, you know, the, the plea deals here, to me at least, indicate that there's going to be another two plea deals coming. But in a sense, the, the two remaining Kootz 4 members could actually uh, face better chances now in court and to follow through with the entire process until the end. So do you suspect that there will be further two plea deals or will the other two members of the Kootz 4 go to trial?
1: Well, I'm not sure, Cosman. But what I can say is that uh, for the men that did get uh, plea deals uh, in this case, uh, they're very fortunate that they didn't have to waste more of their time in jails and to stand trial, uh, which is, you know, which is a process that is not perfect. And perhaps they could have been uh, jailed further and longer for crimes that they did not commit. What I would say about those who did not really receive a plea deal is that it, even though they didn't receive a plea deal at the same uh, times as Mr. Morin and Mr. Lysak uh, just because they didn't receive the plea deals at the same time doesn't mean that they won't eventually be receiving a plea deal uh maybe it won't be as generous of a plea deal as uh Mr. Morn and Mr. Lysak received uh but they could still uh, receive a plea deal that would ensure that they uh, get out a lot sooner than they were uh they were supposed to get out if they were uh charged with these original uh, uh crimes so so I think that it is encouraging that uh Mr. Uh, Moran and Lysak got off because it just goes to show that even though the Crown did try to make an example out of them, they obviously wanted to make an example out of the Coots Four. They were associated with the Freedom Convoy that brought a lot of shame to the federal government. It only makes sense that prosecutors wanted to make an example out of them. And even despite that, uh, they were able to uh, get plea deals because there wasn't enough evidence. So I think it is likely uh, that the next uh, Coots Two, uh, the two remaining uh, members of the Coots Four uh, who ha- did not receive plea deals, I believe that it is likely that they receive plea deals, but it also might be the case that they did not receive plea deals because uh, there is more evidence uh, or stronger evidence that the crown is relying on. So uh, at the end of the day, we'll have to wait and see.
0: That's it for today, folks. Make sure to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. Also, please keep an eye out for the Andrew Lawton Show and Ratioed with Harrison Faulkner later today. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors, and if able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news.